Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment, episode number 55. John Opaluski, can you believe this is episode 55? I can't. I cannot. Over a year. That's amazing. It's been a fast year and a really good year for us. And the podcast has been just a blast. So really enjoy doing this. And you have an age today. I can honestly say there's no more gray hair on your head than there was this time last year. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. (laughs) Terrible. We want to welcome back to our guest. Steve uh, is here with us from Woodside Bible. And and, uh, John, why don't you get us rolling today? Okay, so Steve uh, Zarilli, uh, executive pastor uh, at Woodside Bible Church in Troy, Michigan. Thanks, Steve, again for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. And and Steve, last week uh, you uh, began to outline for us the intentional structure that Woodside Bible has been working on, and really for creating uh, health among the staff. And I wondered if maybe you could just take a minute or two to recap some of the highlights from the, the last week for us. You know, like, I th- I'm thinking, Steve, like what kind of brought you to the place where you felt like this needed to happen at Woodside and maybe what some of the key components of that structure looks like. And then we'll jump into some new questions for you. Yes, well, it's so great to be with you guys again this week. And last week we discussed uh, some of the things that had happened within our church culture. And that is really, I think it's a normative uh, process that churches kind of over time, if they don't give intentional thought and effort to what rhythms they're encouraging with their staff, that they end up going unintentionally down pathways that might make them less healthy spiritually and less able to lead. And so as we started identifying that within our church family, I've been serving at Woodside for 18 years. And as my wife and I think about that journey, uh, we think about all the staff transitions that have happened. It's almost been like we're a multi-site church. And so it's almost been like I've been a part of four or five different churches in those 18 years. It was one location when I started. Today, it's 14. And something that my wife and I say often is you see staff just come and go. And you see staff cultures come and go. And so we've had seasons of health and seasons where we struggled with our health. And so as we started to try to get more intentional about identifying how to create a healthy culture, we started thinking about two primary categories, what needs to be organized and what needs to be organic. And when it comes to the pieces that are organized, that's where we started. So do we have a sabbatical policy in place for people who have served in ministry for extended periods of time? Are we not just thinking multi-year rhythms of rest, but daily rhythms of rest, Mm -hmm. weekly rhythms of rest, monthly rhythms of rest? And all of this built upon the foundation that we want to create a culture that is led by spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ caring for one another. Uh, as opposed to a corporate culture identity where we're driven more by the metrics of our secular society and applying those within the church context. Mm. And so the organized moves not just with those rhythms daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, but uh, into the relationships to which we're participating in as we serve together in ministry. So our meeting rhythms, our monthly one-on-ones, making sure that we're discussing both character and competencies, uh, both who we are in Christ and what we do as we follow him. 
Brilliant. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that any, anybody that pastors pastors or pastors leaders will learn right away is that one of the reasons they become unhealthy is because they have certain strengths that, that got them on your radar. It, it, it got them there. And then sometimes those strengths are the very things that will destroy them. And so you're going to come in now with these lists of do's and don'ts that, that often they're going to feel they're kind of the exception to. You know what I mean? So when you, when you said, hey, you're going to take some time off, I would imagine those people said, no, I'm fine. I don't need time off. So there's pushback. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the pushback. And then what was your response to that pushback? Yeah, when you try to create any kind of new culture and it presses in on areas that people don't want to delve into, uh, there, there's always a bit of pushback that comes because what you're, what you're pushing on is people get so accustomed to what is normal to them. <laughs> and sometimes the normal rhythms aren't healthy rhythms. And so it does do some continual destruction to their spirit, to their relationships, even ultimately to their ministry over time, which we see these examples all the time in ministry that we, we have to help them see that it's not just your current emotions and behaviors that we're after here. Mm -hmm. So we can oftentimes do some behavioral and emotional modification, and it looks like it's covered. It looks like you've band-aided the issue. There's no more bleeding. At least it appears that way. We have to help people get underneath the surface. I, I've kind of described it as underneath the waterline and get down below to their brokenness and the longings that are in the heart and saying, even if you don't recognize these things within you, we need to have a conversation to expose them to see truly where you're at. Another thing I would mention, Jim, just to respond to that is when it, when it comes to our, our relationship with Jesus, I mean, Jesus' ways were not always, they didn't always look the same. There, there was seasons of rest and dormancy. There were seasons of growth and harvest and pruning and all of these things that we see in his life and the way he led. And so I often take people to John 15, where it talks about abiding in Christ and the father being the vine, uh, the, the gardener and Jesus being the vine and, and really attaching ourselves to his way of life. And that means there needs to be seasons where we have stopping and starting and maximizing and minimizing. And if we're not actively helping each other in those conversations, uh, then we can't identify where those things are. So when the pushback comes, I tend to lean in on some of those rhythms of Christ, those seasons of dormancy, growth, harvest, and pruning, and then those subconscious longings and brokenness within our lives to bring about uh, a better, I guess, environment for them to see the value of needing to, 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 to press in. Now that, you know, that's got to require a lot of trust. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they... They just came on staff. They they got the job. They won the interview. They you know what I mean. And now they're there because they're the guy, uh, they're the gal. But but again, being in your position long enough to see you you are the guy, but you're not going to be the guy for long if you keep ignoring your wife or your kids or right. one of the things I've I found. And maybe you can speak into this as well. Is uh, people you know? Let's go. Let's fast forward to our deathbeds. What do we regret? Uh, and often that that's what that's what suffering today that will cost us so much in the long run. I, I regret I didn't spend more time. I regret that I gave more value to this than I should have. I regret a lack of balance. Can you can you just speak a little bit into you're sitting down? I'm, I'm sure there's there's faces and names that come to mind that you can't and you shouldn't use. But but who, who was who was the hardest person you had to deal with? And, and did you get through to them? Do you have to let people go sometimes because they just don't get it? Or, or have you had 
you know, what, what, just give us some advice. We're trying to help people run a marathon, not win a sprint. And they can't yes. see it because sprinting got me here. How, how do you yeah. help that person? Yeah, Jim, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. It's very real. And I think we've all been there. I've been there. Uh, where we sometimes run out in front because we want to see movement. We want to see disciples multiplied. We want to see the kingdom advance. And so sometimes we can be our own worst enemies. And sometimes yeah. those gifts within us can become weak spots and blind spots uh, and, and cause us not to have proper self-awareness. I think when I, I process this whole conversation with staff, you're right. It requires trust and you can't fast track trust. Right. So when you begin in relationship, if you're just starting out at a ministry, or even if you've been there for a while and you need to hit a bit of a reset, the, the, the way that we do that is by investing in relational capital. And, right. and the greater investment we make there, the faster actually we can get to those underneath the surface issues that can bring about health. And so it might feel like you're slowing down and not advancing, but you're right. actually setting yourself up to speed up and be prepared for the type of ministry that the Lord has in front. When it comes to somebody difficult, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we've probably all got lots of people that we could think of, and maybe sometimes we've been that name for someone else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when I, when I think about that, there's, there's definitely been times where we've had employees and staff members and brothers and sisters on our team <clears throat> where they've been very um, antagonistic towards this type of ministry. They, they would rather keep a distance. They would rather... Uh, privatize their faith. And so what I've, what I've often done, and I guess just to give a bit of advice, is to constantly set your culture on the reality of spiritual family once again, mm -hmm. because that disarms that approach to ministry. And so when it comes to those, those men or women who might be chasing after this so quickly, I want to say to them, you know, th there's some family dynamics and rules that happen within every family for the family to be healthy. Right. And so when you describe how this spiritual family is going to function, then they, we, we never really want to kick someone out, you know, in other words, end their employment. But if they choose to self-select out because they right. will not abide by the family rules, then ultimately that's their decision. So when we approach them and say, okay, this requires this level of accountability, this requires relationship, this requires rhythms to be present in your life and for us to have some measure of transparency so that we can identify what those rhythms are. If you're not willing to do any of that, then it's really hard for us then to have the type of community that will model for our world the real change that Jesus can bring. Mm -hmm. And so if they choose to opt out, then oftentimes it's no surprise. We should never surprise our employees with the end of their, their time with us. However, right. if those discussions have been ongoing, then it's more of an opt-out than, yeah. than actually pushing out. You know, Steve, um, you said so many good things there. I just, my mind again is just running. <laughs> um, first of all, we use this whole idea. We talk about rhythms, daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, uh, monthly rhythms, annual rhythms with our clients all the time. We're having that conversation multiple times in a week. Um, and, you know, when I see a pastor or a leader who is uh, overworking, overcommitting, has a hard time saying no, and, uh, and I ask them about that, sometimes they'll say, well, I love what I do. It doesn't even feel like work. But here's what I've learned about 
that and about life in general, you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. And too much of a good thing uh, can hurt you. And uh, just because you love, as a matter of fact, if you love what you do, you're at more risk for burnout and depression because it doesn't feel like work. And, and I tell them, guys, mm -hmm. there is this invisible wall that you are speeding toward. No one can see it, but I see it because I've been there. I crashed into that wall. And when you hit that wall, you will be forced to slow down. You'll, you'll, you'll operate at 10 to 20% efficiency at that point. So I want you to decelerate before you slam into the wall. And then the second thing is I want to dig into why do they work like that? What, what is going on deep inside of them that is, that is propelling them at a pace that's not sustainable? And most of the time I've discovered, I wonder what you think about this, Steve, that there's something broken or maybe multiple things broken on the inside that is fueling this drive to achieve and to work way beyond what's responsible. Yeah, there's a few things that come to my mind pretty quickly, and that is when we think about the temptations of Christ, there's a lot of different ways people and theologians and pastors have parsed that out over the years. One that's helped me quite a bit is that these three temptations of Jesus, uh, where he overcame them, where the first Adam, you know, Jesus being called the second Adam, where the first Adam failed in the garden, he overcame. And it, they've been described as the the issue or the temptation of appetite things things of the flesh uh the issue of approval and the mm -hmm. issue of ambition and when you think about those three words when it comes to ministry specifically i think the temptations of approval and ambition mm -hmm. can really drive that type of unhealthy rhythm to where the reason why we might end up working so hard is because we believe that that will gain the approval of those we're serving or, or those we're trying to influence or, or those that we're uh, being held accountable to. And so we want their approval more so at times than we desire the approval of our Heavenly Father. And that unhealthy connection to them can drive us towards work rhythms where we're abiding in our work more than we're abiding in Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and so approval can really get underneath of it. And we have to remind ourselves what the gospel tells us that we have already been approved by the father. We are already yeah. sons and daughters of the king. And so therefore, because we're approved by him, we don't need to pursue the approval of others in that same kind of way. And then ambition, the other one, is that we're wanting to see a kingdom built. And sometimes we want to control the, the pace at which that kingdom is built. And we feel like it's up to us then to drive those initiatives in order to see that advancement because we're, we're associating our success with these earthly standards of kingdom movement. And again, we have to remember what does ambition look like according to the ways of Jesus and the word of God and the gospel. And oftentimes it's a pacing and it's a time spent with people that looks very different than some of the things that we associate with success in our broader culture. And so we constantly have to evaluate and have enough self-awareness and community with other pastors and brothers and sisters where we could say, hey, am I, am I on here? Is this off here? And where we're in communication consistently with a coach, with a mentor, with a peer group, so that we can identify whether that's coming from a place of 
of gospel-driven Christocentric ministry or whether it's actually coming through the flesh and it's a temptation. Yeah. So Steve, you said, so that's such a great answer. I appreciate you taking some time to really push up on that. I, you said uh, last week that it, it, you had the plan, this intentional structure in place for two years and then you implemented, it's been the last year. Could you just share maybe a couple of wins or a positive impacts that you're seeing out of this last year as you've implemented this? Yeah, I think what it's, I think what it does is when we get intentional about trying to create a healthier staff culture, what you, what you first experience is, is a mess (laughs) 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 because it surfaces issues. And so if you're going to try to create a culture of trust and a culture of space and remove fear, fear of man, fear of one another, uh, those types of things in the environment, then you're going to actually start to hear from people what, how they're really doing. <laughs> and yeah. So what that means is you have to confront the parts of your church and culture and, 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 and environment that, that are broken. And that requires that, we, that requires that we have to have honesty, we have to have humility, and we have to take that time. So what it first does is it might not be viewed as a win, but it really is a win. When you start to hear people share where they have been experiencing symptoms of burnout and brokenness, that then is a massive indicator that you're on the right road because trust mm. is being built. That's so, good. so So I think that's where you start. And then once you start to identify those and hear those things from people, have you then created the structure and the relationship, both organized and organic, to... Uh, to enhance where they can go and, and further their healing and help them get the resourcing, the coaching, the development that is necessary in order to get them back to a place of ministry health and then sustained within that place of health as well. Hmm. So I, we've got about two minutes in our, in our allotted time left, and I want you to take a, a good minute of it to answer this question. You know, you're, you're involved in the spiritual and emotional health of uh, a couple hundred staff members or more. What, what is the number one issue that, that they are dealing with as campus leaders, as youth pastors, as, and what are you doing to help them with that number one issue? That's a great question. My mind goes to so many different issues. Sometimes it's hard to identify it down to one. I think a lot of it in ministry comes down to uh, good versus great, um, that, that so many of our staff and so many people in ministry have they, they end up doing so much that can lead to burnout because it's a lot of good things, but they haven't taken the time to truly evaluate, does this create the greatest discipleship movement? And there's a cost to moving from good to the great, from the, from the broad menu buffet down to the few more simplistic things that create the most movement and create the best patterns in the best environments for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so it's, it's having to overcome the cost and it's having to not uh, settle for the many, but actually really drive towards the few that are most effective. And that releases so much pressure from a staff team. I I love that. Go ahead, Jim, comment on that. I love that. I I think that's so healthy. You know, 10 years in youth ministry, we had the, the outreach where a hundred kids showed up and we all slapped each other on the back and went to Denny's afterwards. But there were those 10 kids that lived on your couch that are all serving the Lord today. And, and I don't know where the other 90 went. 
you know what I mean? Honestly, I'm okay. using the wrong numbers, but the, 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 if you got to look at the right gauges to gauge success, and sometimes it's hard because measuring the 10 on your couch doesn't seem nearly as, I don't know, flashy, important, valuable as the hundred that were in, you know, on the ball field that night for that outreach. So I, I think you're right. I think a long-term vision of the health and well-being of the body of Christ is the answer to just about everything we've talked about yeah. today. And, then, and Steve, I, I want to just extend our time just one uh, or two more minutes. <clears throat> um, I have this question for you. What, what would you say to a church that's smaller than Woodside? And most churches are smaller. <laughs> They're 99.9%. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, what can they do in light of maybe having no budget to work with or a smaller budget to work with in um, in light of this, what, what might be like a couple of next steps that they could take towards starting cr to create this kind of leadership health culture? Yeah, well, I would first say that we've got campuses from 80 to mm. 4,000. So okay. we, we do know what it's like to have the smaller um, church environment with just a couple staff members and maybe one full-time and a few part-times. But I, I would say whether you are in a small church, medium-sized church, large church, house church, it still all boils down to relationship. So that's where we have to start. So having a, a discussion with your team to say, you know, just being honest with them to where you're leveraging some encouragement and also creating space and environment for transparency. I think the place to start is a conversation and, and it starts with relationship, making the relational investment to say, how do you feel friends like we are doing? Do you feel like our relationships model for our church what we are calling them into? Do you feel like our lives are worthy of imitation? Are we practicing the rhythms of Jesus in a way that can be demonstrated by the church family that will lead to discipleship? So just those three topics right there, starting in the context of relational conversation, is where I would move. Love it. That's awesome, Steve. I think it's the, the brilliance of the answer, Steve, is the simplicity. It's relationships, it's rhythms, it's rest, it's seasons, it's, I, I, you know, if you came off with words I didn't understand and you're, you know, your, your doctorate degree is in the hermeneutics of Lucan historiography, like, I don't know what you're talking about. But when you say rest, my soul knows if it's rested or not. When you say rhythms, my soul knows whether I'm in the right rhythm or I'm not. And, and to have a, a father or a brother or a, a mentor or a boss or whatever speak into my life truth. My, my soul knows the truth. My, my head will argue with it, but my soul knows what's right and what's wrong. So I, I love, I love the, the brilliance of what you're saying is in its simplicity. Everybody understands it at some level. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your time, sharing your heart. Um, Woodside has been a, a starship enterprise in, in, the, in the fleet um, in our area. We are so grateful for the influence you have in the body of Christ and knowing the influence of you amongst the influencers is uh, to hear the secret sauce is, is a simplistic uh, spiritual family dynamic. I, I love that it's not, you know, here's 14 forms and 18 things we measure and here's the dashboard with 27. I, I like that it's people, it's Jesus, it's a spiritual family. So thanks so much for that. And John, thank you for, for bringing on people like Steve to speak to everybody today. Uh, anything you'd like to say in closing? How, how can we uh, just kind of be a better part of your world? Sure. So, Steve, I just want to again say thank you. Uh, Echo Jim, thanks for spending time with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, we care deeply about the health and welfare of leaders. 
Um, I mean, that's exactly what we do. And so if you're listening today, you're hurting, uh, you feel burnout, maybe depressed or anxious, we are here to help uh, connect you to ourselves or connect you to other resources who may be even more helpful than us. The best way for you to do that is to go to convergecoach.com and hit the contact us button and that will begin a conversation with us. So Jim, that's the best way. Awesome. Well, God bless you. And we hope this has been a blessing to you. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue to lead from a line.